there are you know statements at uh, Lendio about how banks are going to get out of the lending business. They're just going to be capital behind it, and everybody's going to get a loan for a non-bank lender. Uh, and at the time, I just really thought, well, yeah, margins are higher. You can make more money in that. But I didn't really think that the world needed another high-priced lender. And the reality is it, it's really hard, virtually impossible, to compete with the low-cost capital that banks and credit unions have from their deposits. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Back in the day, everyone, well, not everyone, but certainly the vocal majority, thought it made sense to start non-bank lenders and go head-to-head with banks. On Deck and Lending Club were headed to IPO. Somehow what was overlooked was how hard and expensive it is to compete with banks' low cost of capital. While working at Intuit, Trevor Dreyer had a different idea. He was running the firm's mobile payments and point-of-sale businesses, and he kept hearing from Main Street businesses that they lacked access to affordable business loans. Trevor started Mirador to fill this void of bank-originated small business lending. We talk about why he started Mirador with a lending-as-a-service model and what pain points he was addressing. He shares how venture capitalists eventually caught up with this idea of tech firms as enablers or partners of banks and what it takes to get a deal done in this industry. We also talk about Mirador's recent acquisition by Kuna Mutual Group. Trevor Dreyer is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm uh, Trevor Dreyer. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mirador. Mirador is a small business lending platform that we sell to banks and credit unions to help them do more profitable small business lending and uh, really delight their customers with a fully digital process. So before we get into Mirador, I want to hear about your your specific um, Genesis story. Uh, we don't have to go all the way back to the beginning, but how, how, what's what's the story about Mirador? To me, when I re, when I read about you and I read about your bio, I feel like the idea came while you were an entrepreneur in residence. Is that true? Uh, it actually came a little bit before that. Uh, the The genesis of the idea came from when I was working at Intuit. I was running their mobile payments and point of sale businesses, and you know, as part of our product development philosophy, I'd expect the entire team to be going out to small businesses, hearing about their pain points, um, you know, observing uh, them at their place of business. And we kept hearing about the challenge of getting access to reasonably priced capital. And it was really the same story kept hearing over and over again of, you know, a, a Main Street business goes to their bank, their credit union, they need a loan to purchase some equipment, um, to expand, et cetera. And they get pulled through this really painful knothole. And then uh, end up getting told no by their bank and they might go try another one and oftentimes would end up online googling small business loan and end up you know many of them in the arms of a uh, non-bank lender and they'd pay 50 60 we've seen some as high as 100 percent apr on a loan uh, but it was quick and it was fast and the most important thing to them at the time was they needed the cash quickly to be able to take advantage of a business opportunity and so I saw that uh, real need there. And as I started talking to bankers I knew, uh, I found out very clearly that the banks love small businesses, but small business lending is really tough because they underwrite the loans the same way if it's a you know $80,000 loan to a small business or a $2 million loan. So you can imagine the process is designed for the $2 million loan. It's really time consuming, really labor intensive for the financial institution and therefore most banks lose money on small business loans. They don't love to do it. And Intuit wasn't interested in, in working on this area at the time. And um, 
for various personal reasons, I ended up moving up to Oregon and was an entrepreneur in residence for a year and kind of worked developing this idea and really fleshing it out. And then uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Awesome. And and why decide to go um, sort of B2B to C or B2B to B, I guess in this case, um, versus going direct uh, to small business and as a lender? Yeah, you know, I got asked that question a lot, especially in our early days as we were raising our first round of capital. We had a lot of uh, investors at that time, you know, on deck and lending club were headed to IPO and there are you know, statements at uh, Lendio about how banks are going to get out of the lending business. They're just going to be capital behind it, and everybody's going to get a loan for a non-bank lender. Uh, and at the time, I just really thought, well, yeah, margins are higher. You can make more money in that. But I didn't really think that the world needed another high-priced lender. And the reality is it, it's really hard, virtually impossible, to compete with the low-cost capital that banks and credit unions have from their deposits. And so there are a lot of alternative lenders cropping up. That was great. I thought that the better long-term play for us and, frankly, for the small businesses was to help enable these uh, financial institutions that have low-cost capital and can lend at 5 and 6% uh, to really compete with those alternative lenders on speed, on customer experience, et cetera. And so that was our mission from the beginning. And it's interesting when we are kind of raising our second round of capital, some of those VCs came back and said, you know, we've got this great theory now. It's about enablers, enablers of traditional financial <laughs> institutions. It's going to be a theme we're investing in. And, you know, as I kind of chuckle and say, well, you know, remember our conversation two years ago when we talked about that. But uh, it feels like that the industry has come much more in that direction to how do you partner as opposed to um, one or the other bank versus a non-bank entity. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think just today in terms of my podcast interviews, I've, I've interviewed three different like sort of quote unquote lending as a service providers um, just today alone. And, uh, but, but when you started, you did, you did definitely want, you went against the grain where I guess for whatever reason back then, uh, investors believe that, you know, you could easily build a big uh, direct brand by going, you know, um, so, so, so talk about this interplay, I guess, in, in partnering with banks, um, what what does the sales cycle look? How um, how receptive are they to 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 sort of what you guys offer to them? Yeah, you know, it's um, I, I won't lie to other uh, fintech entrepreneurs that are thinking of partnering with banks that it you know be prepared for a long slog. It's not mm -hmm. easy. Um, it's it's interesting. I think virtually the stats I've seen virtually every bank or credit union out there. Um, believes that things are going digital, that they need to provide a better customer experience, but less than half actually have a strategy built around it. So I think there's a lot of awareness, but um, not a lot of, I guess, direction or kind of vision or frankly, knowing how to really get from here to there. So they know they want to have it be fast, easy, digital, less time, lower cost for them, great experience for their borrower, but they don't know how to get there. And so I think as a result, um, you'll see financial institutions roughly divide into two camps. I think there are those that um, are still kind of trying to figure it out, and it's a lot of kind of consultative sale, best practices, can be really long sales cycles as they're kind of building internal consensus around a strategy. Um, and then there's the groups that have their strategy in place, they're ready to move, and those can actually go very quickly 
in a matter of you know a few months um whereas those that are trying to find their way it, it could be you know a year 18 month sales cycle uh and, do you see that you know, changing bank, though i i understand the two camps thing but do, do you see an acceleration i guess in the time that you've been doing this are, are they are banks getting better incrementally at at partnering I uh, yes, I think they are getting a bit better. the The biggest barrier I have to say, though, is bringing on a new vendor. Uh, with you know Dodd Frank and some of the reforms that happened uh, during the financial crisis, the bar for third party vendor diligence has gone way up. We've had several banks, particularly the larger ones, that just say, "Oh man, the pain of bringing on a new vendor is so high that." if you're trying to break in, you have to have a product that is significantly better than uh, an existing vendors to be able to kind of crack in. Um, I do think though that the regulators are starting to kind of realize the pendulum swung a little bit too far. And so you're seeing, you're hearing a lot of things coming out of the OCC and the FDIC about how do we foster innovation? How do we kind of lower the bar to partnerships? And so I think it'll start swinging back the other way. but you know, to really answer your question specifically, I do see the sales cycle shortening. It's it shortened pretty dramatically, I think, in you know the last half of last year and first half of this year. And is that something? Uh, this just may be an off the wall question, but is that something in that consultative sale that you guys provide? Um, is there is there some perspective of saying like here's working with a bank partner saying here's how to get the best out of us or here's how how to accelerate your own um, ability to partner with firms like ours? Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're not shy of kind of coming in and saying, uh, you know, without naming specific names, saying here's a client of ours that has really gotten great value from using us. And here are the things they did. Here's another one that, frankly, you know, it, they're not getting the full benefit. The ROI is not as good. And here's why. And so we kind of, I think that's important. Um, and just part of our core values of just being open and honest. And um, if somebody you know, for example, wants to just use us for a very teeny segment of their loans, they're probably not going to get the full value. And we'll tell them that up front, which I think is better than, uh, you know, getting into a contract and having a customer that may not be happy because they're not, um, you know, the need that they've identified is not necessarily lining up with the value we provide. That totally makes sense. So, so what is the target financial institution that you guys are, are looking at? Yeah. So, uh, Last December, I guess we'll kind of drop in here, we were acquired by CUNA Mutual Group, uh, which is a large insurer out of uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And they've got a relationship with uh, virtually every credit union in the, in the country. Um, they're, they're independent from the trade association industry as they were kind of spun out from the trade association back in the 30s. And so I mentioned that just because our uh, demographic has shifted a little bit. Okay. Uh, previous to the acquisition, we were mainly focused on the larger banks. So we have clients, you know, like Zions Bank, for example, um, you know, MidFirst, a couple other large banks that haven't allowed us to kind of use their name publicly. Uh, we really focused on those bigger, super regionals, regional banks, and on up. Uh, but now with this acquisition, we've been working on a product that's faster, easier to implement. For and really designed for those smaller institutions, community banks and credit unions. And we're starting to see um, some great traction uh, in that kind of smaller institution space. So I think we'll continue to see us kind of broaden our market as we as we go forward. 
Interesting. And so can you talk to us about, I guess, a, like a sample implementation, like a, almost like a mini case study, um, a client that, you know, that you guys are working with that has, that really kind of gets what you do and, and you guys have both been able to play off your strengths. Yeah. In terms of just what the implementation looked like or. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let me give you uh one that lets us kind of talk about them publicly at uh, Tompkins Bank. They're um, a group of, I guess, oh, four community banks kind of around uh, Pennsylvania, New York area, uh, about you know, five billion in assets. One of our earlier customers, uh, they were very interested in providing you know, a quick, fast loan experience. That was the part of the Mirror Value proposition they were really focused in on. And when we went in and talked with them, uh, what we worked out was let's get this up and running quickly. So I think we were able to get them up and running in, gosh, it's probably eight weeks. Um, and that was due to the fact that they trusted us on the user experience. They didn't try to request a bunch of customizations, changes to the flows. We collect all the data they need, but we're doing it in the way that we've tested over time and to make sure we have a really high conversion rate quick experience, delightful experience. We kind of measure, test, iterate constantly. They trusted us for the things that we do well with customer experience, with the way that information's collected, data's presented, things of that sort. And then they focused on what they did really well, which was their brand and their marketing. And they actually kind of created a new, um, they call it Lightning Loans, a new kind of sub-brand that they, they launched and had a, you know, a video to help explain to their borrowers how the process and how this is going to be very different from anything that they've seen in the past or from what their competitors might be doing. And I think they've seen great success because of this focus on the brand, focus on how they communicate out to their existing customers and others in the area, the benefit, and then let us focus on the technology. Um, and when it came to kind of the back office, we had a really good collaborative approach on helping us understand what their current process was before Mirador of how loans kind of make it through the system and what systems the data needs to go into. And then we kind of worked with them to uh, really map uh, Mirador's process to kind of their process and um, make sure that it's not chaos in, in the back office, get their folks trained and whatnot. And now they've got, you know, really, I think virtually all of their small business loans uh, going through the Mirador platform and feedback from customers has been fantastic. And their employees, which is also, I think, really important, uh, love the process. It makes their life much easier. So these are a segue into my next question. I guess, are, are many of your clients, um, are you displacing a current system that they have or are you enabling them to get into SMB lending in general? Most of our clients do some sort of small business lending, mm -hmm. um, but they might not do a lot of it, or they kind of, you know, begrudgingly do loans under 250000 and really push their sales organizations to bring in loans, you know, a million and up. That's a pretty common uh, position. Um, and so we enable them to really start marketing it and to really start doing a lot of volume. I think that's something, you know, another one of our customers, uh, Zions Bank, uh, was really focused on. They always did small business lending, but now it allows them, they think, to really push it hard in a way that is profitable for them and to really focus in on that great customer experience and then that opens up opportunities for 
cross-sell, bringing in deposit accounts, credit cards, other products as well. So I think that's the more common uh, use case. Now that we're in with CUNA Mutual into some credit unions, there definitely are some credit unions that have reached out that have not done small business lending at all and um, are starting to look at getting into the space. Uh, for them, though, if they've never done any small business lending, there's some other things they have to do on the regulatory side to kind of get their regulator comfortable before they can jump in. So it's a bit broader than just what Mirador can provide. Got it. And um, given the time that you've been in the market, how have you seen um, the SMB, the borrower, uh, evolve? You know, the borrower, I think, has much lower tolerance for uh, a heavy process. Mm. And, you know, back before, you know, Lending Club and um, some of these alternative lenders cropped up, I think everybody just kind of viewed it as, ugh, this is a horrible process. It's going to take me months. It's going to be painful. Um, the Federal Reserve did a survey of small business owners, and it takes them on average 30 hours of actual work. Um, over eight weeks to get through a small business loan process. And I think everybody just thought, well, that's the way of the world. There's nothing I can do. Um, but as these alternative lenders have cropped up and I think, and providing a experience that's much more what I kind of call consumer grade, the experience you get, you know, from Apple or Google or Amazon, uh, the expectations have gone way up as well. And they expect that they can, apply on their phone and that it's going to take them very little time and that they're not going to be asked to provide data many times um, and that there will be some kind of early feedback. Don't waste my time if there's no way I'm going to qualify. And you know that pretty early in the process. So I think the expectations have gone up a lot. And I think the other thing that sometimes is lost on folks in the financial industry is small business owners really are consumers. I think, mm -hmm. think of them, their mindset and their buying patterns similar to a consumer, much more than, you know, a middle market company CFO. Uh, they have much more tolerance for a long process. They're really looking at what are the terms? What are the financial covenants? What are, you know, what's the best rate I can get? Where the small business owners typically not really thinking that much about that. They do care about rate, but not nearly as much as a larger company. It's for them speed, it's ease, it's convenience. And when you look at some of the data, that makes sense as well. I think it's only 2% of small businesses with revenues um, under a million dollars have uh, any kind of CFO or really experienced uh, financial person on their staff. They have an accountant, but typically that's it. And then that number only rises to 7% with revenues up to 10 million. So it's, this is not groups that have professional CFOs that are used to kind of a big process. Interesting. I want to go back to the acquisition. So you were acquired by Kuna. Um, I guess, where do you fit into their, the parent company's kind of go-to-market strategy and, and, and their sort of product portfolio? Yeah. So Kuna uh, Mutual was, started back in 1935 to really provide insurance products that they uh, sell uh, to credit unions and through credit unions. So for example, you know, a, a mortgage insurance sold through the credit unions or they'll sell uh, insurance products directly to the credit unions that they might use, directors and officers insurance, things of that sort. Then they started selling their products direct to consumer as well. 
And a lot of their insurance products are in the lending space and are kind of lending related. And I think what CUNA Mutual has seen is there's a dramatic shift towards from kind of paper and people based towards a digital origination strategy. And I think they see that, you know, for their business to continue to grow, they need to be in that digital space as well. Um, and also, I think they see it as an opportunity that as they've evolved, they've started providing more software and services beyond just the insurance products uh, to their credit union customers. And I think this was, you know, the way I see it is it was real natural extension for them, uh, you know, acquiring somebody like Mirador that can provide that software platform for them going forward, be able to not only provide um, insurance products and services, but now software products and services and make sure that uh, they're kind of keeping up with um, with the trends and providing, you know, that real consultative process that they've had in the past with their credit union customers. Interesting. And I guess in the remaining time that we have, um, I'm curious to know um, what you've got cooking in the, in the pipeline, or at least um, what your priorities are for the, for the rest of 2019. Yeah. So we're, uh, I think we some interesting things that are going to be coming down the pike in the future. We're, now taking a real look at kind of stepping back and assessing uh, where the additional pain points are. We've focused on that loan application and pre-screening and kind of routing and sorting and thinking, you know, do we go really deep in um, some areas, for example, like decisioning, or we think a little bit more about um, helping at the top of the funnel. Uh, there's, so there's, that's one kind of area we're in the process of really spending time with customers and prospects and understanding their pain points. So we're not just kind of guessing and build to what we think the markets can be valuable. The other piece that I'll mention is we're starting to spend uh, a lot more time on data analytics, uh, everything from just kind of standard analytics to um, machine learning algorithms and predictive analytics. And I think that will continue to be a, a theme for us going forward. So I have some more to announce, you know, probably this fall um, can certainly follow up on that. Yeah, we'd definitely be interested in hearing about it. Trevor, thanks very much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity.